0: Today then, chapter 65, التحذير Minal A warning against innovated forms of du'a. We've been talking about the virtue of du'a and the rewards of making du'a. And today in this chapter, the Shaykh, he discusses an important point, which is that this dua, the supplications, the remembrance, the adhkar, they must be done in accordance to the sunnah. And you must avoid any types of innovated methods of making dua. So, at tahhir, at من الأدعية المحدثة. He says, تقدم الكلام حول أهمية التقيد بالسنة في الدعاء وضرورة لزوم هدي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فيه لأن الدعاء عبادة. He says, Previously we've mentioned about the importance of sticking to the sunnah when making dua and the necessity to stick to the guidance of the Prophet sallallahu in doing so, because dua is an act of worship, and of course all worship must be done in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the principle when it comes to worship is at tawqif wal meaning that when it comes to worship the default is that all actions that are supposed to be worship are by default permissible or impermissible impermissible, unless you then have the evidence to prove they are permissible. With worship, nothing is permissible until you have the evidence to highlight why it is allowed and how it is to be done. So with worship, it is tawqif. You must stop at what is in the texts. Outside of that, anything anybody brings about, it is by default impermissible until they can find you something from the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah to prove that their particular action is permissible. So he says, ibadah, that's the way it is, and dua is an ibadah. So it can only be done in the way that the Qur'an and the Sunnah has prescribed to us. Anybody brings about any other method, do this and do that and on this night and that night and this many times and that many times. If they bring about anything new like that, by default it's impermissible until they can show you something from the evidences proving it is permissible. So it is not something that can be done al-al-hawa wal-ibtida upon desires and innovation. Wasabak al-ishara ila anna sunnata kadja a fiha bayan udua iwa jamiyu mayata alla kobihi bayanan waafi an shafi an la mazida alayhi bidikri anwarihi wa shurutihi wa adabihi wa al-katihi wa iradalik min mayata alla kobihi. So in some of the previous chapters it's already been discussed about the sunnah and the dua being an action of worship and the method of making that dua uh, and the types of dua and the etiquettes of dua. We've briefly looked at some of those things already. inna al على كل مسلم في هذا الباب العظيم ان يجتهد في طلب هدي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الدعاء وان يحرص اشد الحرص على معرفه سبيله فيه ليقتفي اثاره وليسير على نهجه وليلزم طريقته صلوات الله وسلامه عليه so it is important and something emphasized upon every Muslim that when it comes to this topic of dua, you strive to follow the guidance of the Prophet wasallam, and that you strive with the greatest of your ability and striving to know the correct methodology of how it is done so that you can then follow in those footsteps and you can tread upon that methodology and you can cling on to that way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. وَلَا يَجُوزُ لِمُسْلِمُ And it is not permissible for a Muslim أَن يَلْتَزِمَ أَدْعِيَةً رَاتِبَةً أو مُخَصَّصَةً بِأَوْقَاتٍ مُعَيَّنَةٍ أو بِصِفَاتٍ مُعَيَّنَةٍ مَا وَرَدَ مِن ذَٰلِكَ فِي سُنَّةِ الرَّسُولِ الْكَرِيمِ صَلَى اللَّهِ So therefore, knowing that we have to stick to the sunnah, it is not permissible for a Muslim to then stick to some du'as that they make up, whether they are at a particular time or specified, or whether they are of a particular description that is defined it is not permissible for them to do that if those descriptions and those times and those matters that they make up regarding how to do the du'a are not witnessed from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then they cannot do that. أَمَّا الْأَدْعِيَةُ الْعَارِضَةِ أَلَّتِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِ بِسَبَبِ أُمُورٍ قَدْ تَعْرُضُ لَهُ يَسْأَلَ اللَّهَ مَا شَاءَ As for a general du'a that you might do when some specific circumstance arises, then of course that's open, you make du'a for your particular affair in that particular circumstance. But in the previous section, he was talking about the ad'iyya ratiba something that you specify and schedule and do upon a regular basis. You cannot fix some type of new du'a in a regular way, as though it is a sunnah to implement all the time. But as for a dua which just comes up, some situation arises, something happens, then you make that particular dua at that particular time, no problem. Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, Rahimahullah, Al Wad وَالْعِبَادَاتِ مَبْنَاهَا عَلَى الْإِتِّبَاعِ وَلَيْسَ لِأَحَدٍ أَنْ يَسُنَّ مِنْهَا غَيْرَ الْمَسْنُونَ He said the adhkar, the remembrances and the supplications, they are from the best of the worship. We've covered that in chapters before. And worship, all of the worship, it is established and built upon following the sunnah. And it is not permissible for anyone to make a sunnah out of something that is not established as a sunnah. You cannot come along and say, do this dua this many times on this particular time and start fixing things for people, which has not been established as a sunnah. وَيَجْعَالَهُ عَادَةً ratibatan so you cannot make something new And fix it for the people at this time At that time Read this many and that many On this night and that night And then the people they regularly do that Every week Every night Every month It is not permissible to start Fixing things up like this for people Making things up and setting them up And they are not from the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam بَلْ Ibn Taymiyyah said, if you do that, then it is innovation in the religion that Allah has not permitted for you. And that is different to a situation where somebody makes a dua on some odd occasion where something comes up. Then you can make the dua at that time or at that uh, particular situation or circumstance. That's different but when they innovate something and fix it into their schedule and routine every thursday night every jumaa every day after fajr this many times that many times and you start fixing new things up it becomes an innovation but a person who does something at a particular time for a particular reason something arises something comes up and he makes a dua no problem najidu anna anhum badaru ila inkari Hayat Mu'ayyana. And that's why you see that the companions, they were very quick to reject any specific forms of dua that people were making up, any specific forms or methods that you do the particular dua at a particular time and it has not been established in the Sharia to do so, then they were quick to reject those types of actions from the people. وَمِن ذَلِكَ And an example of that, إِنْكَارُ عَبْدِ يسبحون بها ويهللون ويكبرون بطريقة محدثة وصفة مبتدعة لم تكن موجودة على أحد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فبادرهم الإنكار ونهاهم عن ذلك أشد النهي وبيّن لهم خطورة ذلك وسوء ما غبته عليهم There's an example where عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله عنه came across a group of people and they were sitting in a circle in the mosque and in their hands they had the small pebbles and they were doing tasbih on those pebbles subhanallah, subhanallah and the tahleel, la ilaha illallah and the takbir, allahu akbar, allahu akbar they were doing all of that on these pebbles sitting in a mosque upon a method that was innovated a method that had not been used or performed during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. So he was quick to reject that upon them and tell them of the evil that they were upon and the danger of what they were upon. That's mentioned by al-Imam ad darimi with a good chain of narration from Amr ibn Salama al-Hamadani. قال, كُنَّا نَجْلِسُ عَلَى بَابِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ إِبْنَ مَسْعُودِ قَبْلَ صَلَاتِ الْغَدَاتِ He said, we used to sit at the front of the door of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud before the fajr prayer. فَإِذَا خَرَجَ مشينا مَعَهُ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ So when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to come out, they used to walk with him to the mosque. فَجَاءَنَا أَبُوا مُوسَىٰ الْعَشْعَرِي فَقَال So it mentioned how one time Abu Musa Al Ashari came and said to them أَخَرَجَ إِلَيْكُمْ أَبُوا عَبْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ بَعْدُ Has Abu Abdul Rahman, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud come out yet? قُلْنَا لَا We said no فَجَلَسَ مَعَنَا حَتَّى أَخَرَج So he sat with us until Abdullah ibn Mas'ud came out. فلما خرج قمنا اليه جميعا so when he came out they said we all stood up with stood up with him فقال له ابو موسى and so then abu musa spoke to him and said ya aba Rahman. oh abu al-Rahman, abdullah ibn masud inni ra'aytu fi al anifan amran ankartu he said i saw in the mosque just before and a fear that I rejected. ولم أرى والحمد لله إلا خيرا. And I did not see. And all praises to Allah except good. He said to him, What was it? He said, If you live, then you will see it. If you live long enough, you will see it. قَالْ رَأَيْتُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ قَوْمًا حِلَقًا جُلُوسًا يَنْتَظِرُونَ الصلاة. He said, I saw in the mosque people sitting in a circle waiting for the prayer. They made a circle waiting for the prayer. فِي كُلِّ حَلْقَةٍ الرجل. And in every circle there was a man, there were multiple circles, a group of people sitting in a circle, another group of people sitting in a circle, another group of people sitting in a circle, all of them in these circles in the mosque waiting for the prayer. And he said, فِي كُلِّ حَلْقَةٍ الرجل, In every one of those circles, there was one man, وَفِي Him حَصَى And all of them, they were holding these pebbles in their hands. And one man in all of those circles was saying to them, يَقُولْ كَبِّرُوا مِئَةً Do 100 Takbir. So they use those stones Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar They start using those stones and counting a 100 takbir. Then فَيُكَبِّرُونَ مِئَةً فَيَقُولْ هَلِّلُوا مِئَةً فَيَهَلِّلُونَ مِئَةً So then that man each circle had one man doing this announcing Saying to them now do 100 tahleel so then they're all doing 100 ta'li, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, using the stones. Then he says to them, Do 100 tasbih. So they start using the stones, subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. Using the stones and doing the tasbih. So then, qal, fa ma'adha quulta lahum. So he said to him now, so when you saw that, what did you say to them? قَالْ مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ شيئا انتظار رأيك. رَأْيَكَ He said, I didn't say anything to them, because I was waiting for your opinion, to see what you think about this. Abu Musa was saying to Abdullah bin Mas'ud, I was waiting for your opinion to see what you think about this. ما قلت لهم شيئاً انتظار رأيك؟ قال: أفلا أمرتهم أن يعدوا سيئاتهم وضمنت لهم أن لا يضيع من حسناتهم شيء. He said, If only you had told them to count their sins and guaranteed them that their good deeds would not be lost. ثم ماذا وما ذينا معه حتى أتى حلقة من تلك الحلقة. So then they say we went with him. And they got to the mosque And they saw these circles themselves عَلَيْهَا So then he stood upon one of these circles فَقَالْ مَا هَذَا الَّذِي أَرَاكُمْ تصنعون So Abdullah bin Mas'ud now has gone there He's seen it for himself And he says to one of these gatherings These circles What is this that I see you doing? What is this that I'm seeing you doing? And what were they doing? Using these pebbles, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, SubhanAllah, 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 using these pebbles. He said, What is this that I'm seeing you doing? <speaking in Hebrew> they said, Oh, Abu Abdul Rahman, Abdullah bin Mas'ud. <speaking in Hebrew> they said, They're just pebbles. We just use them to count. How many times you say Allah Akbar, and how many times you say Subhanallah, and how many times La ilaha illallah? Just pebbles, we're using them to count how many times you say it. He said, Count your sins, and I guarantee that your goodness will not be lost. Way hakum ya Ummata Muhammad. Way it's like a bit like in English when they say, Woe be to you. O be to you, O Ummah of Muhammad, مَا أَصْرَعْ هَلَكَتِكُمْ How quick your destruction occurs, how quick you destroy yourselves, هؤلاء صَحَابَةُ نَبِيِّكُمْ وتوافرون. The companions of the Prophet, they are here still. These people weren't companions. He said the companions are still alive. They hear the companions, mutawafirun they're available. وَهَذِهِ ثَيَابُهُ لَمْ تَبْلَأُ And the garments of the messenger have not even dried up yet. Meaning it was very soon after the death of the Prophet they had started doing this. He said, the garments of the messenger have not even dried yet. And his vessels, his cups and plates, they're all there, nothing is broken and gone yet. All of it indicating that he's only just passed away, the messenger has only just passed away, his clothes, his vessels, his cups, everything's there yet. Nothing's gone, nothing's broken. nafsi هِيَ ala millah and by the one whom my soul is in his hand, are you upon a methodology that is more guided than the methodology and the religion of the Prophet? أو مُفْتَتِحُ بَابَ ضلالة. Or is it that you are opening up a door to misguidance? They said, Oh Abu Abdul Rahman, Abdullah bin Masood, we did not intend anything other than goodness. They intended subhanallah subhanallah Alhamdulillah La ilaha illallah Zikr of Allah. They said we never intended anything bad, we intended goodness. To do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, takbir, Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar, La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, we never intended anything except goodness. So then he says to them that famous statement, qal wa kam min muridin lil Khair Lan yusibahu. And how many people who intend goodness will never get it. They will never achieve it. They were saying, we intend goodness, we're just doing dhikr of Allah. He said to them, there are many people who intend goodness, but they never achieve goodness. Why do they never achieve goodness even though they intend goodness? Because they are not following the sunnah of the Prophet The sunnah didn't tell you use pebbles and stones and other things. The sunnah tells us, for example, use your fingers. Doesn't tell you start using pebbles and stones and necklaces and other things. And so he said, many people, they intend goodness. How many people there are who intend goodness, but they never achieve it. And that's why we always say, when doing worship, it is not just about having the good intention. That's only half of it. al ikhlas. What you need along with that is following the sunnah. If somebody only has al-ikhlas but they don't follow the sunnah, then they may be sincere in wanting goodness, but they're going to end up doing bid'ah if they're not following the sunnah. So it's not just about ikhlas and sincerity and good intention. You need the sunnah with it. Otherwise many people will claim they are doing everything with good intention and sincerity, but they are still doing innovations because they are not putting the sunnah alongside with their good intention. So that's why Ibn Mas'ud said to them, many people they desire goodness, but they never achieve it because their good intention hasn't got the sunnah with it. So they don't achieve the goodness they hope for. فَتَأَمَّلْ كَيْفَ أَنْكَرَ عَبْدُ Ibn Mas'ud... رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَلَىٰ أَصْحَابِ الْحَلَقَاتِ هؤلاء. So look at how Abdullah ibn Mas'ud rebuked these people sitting in circles doing the remembrance of Allah. And yet they were rebuked because the way they were doing it was not the way of the sunnah. مَعَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي حَلْقَةِ ذِكْرٍ وَمَجْلِسِ عبادة. Those people were sitting in those gatherings and they were gatherings of the remembrance of Allah, they were gatherings of worship. They were gatherings, circles to remember Allah, to do worship. لِمَا كان ذِكْرُهُمْ لِلَّهِ وَتَعْبُّدُهُمْ لَهُ بِغَيْرِ الْوَارِدِ المشروع. But they were rebuked because their method of how they were remembering Allah and doing this worship was not a method of the sunnah. So they were rebuked by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه. وَفِي هَذَا دَلَالَةَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ الْعِبْرَةَ فِي الْعِبَادَةَ وَالْدُعَىٰ وَالذِكَرْ كَثْرَتَهُ وَإِنَّمَا الْعِبْرَةَ فِي مَوَافَقَتِهِ لِلْسُنَّةِ And this therefore indicates it's not about doing a lot. It's about doing it properly. A person could sit there for hours and hours doing dhikr. But if they're doing it in some innovated way, then that's not the beneficial action of worship for them. Rather somebody who does it even a little bit, but upon the sunnah in the proper way, that's what's desired and required. It's mentioned that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud made a statement once where he said iqtisad fi khair min Restricting yourself to a sunnah is better than making some ijtihad meaning working out some other way or or working out some new way in an innovation, or striving in an innovation. Restricting yourself to a sunnah, even if that's a little bit, restrict yourself to that sunnah, is better than striving and striving in some innovation. Because no matter how much you strive in the innovation, that's not going to be accepted. But you do even a little bit in the sunnah, that little bit will be accepted. So even a little bit in the Sunnah is better than striving and striving in Bid'ah. مَسْعُودٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ لَمْ يُنْكِرْ عَلَيْهِمْ ذِكْرَهُمْ لله وشتغالهم Notice, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud did not refute them for doing the dhikr of Allah. He didn't tell them stop doing the dhikr of Allah. Not at all. He did not rebuke them for that. لَمْ يُنْكِرْ عَلَيْهِمْ ذِكْرَهُمْ لله. He didn't say to them, do not do the dhikr of Allah, do not preoccupy yourself with this worship. Not at all. It is good to do the dhikr of Allah. It is good to preoccupy yourself with that worship. He never rebuked them for that and didn't say that to them. وَإِنَّمَا sunnah wa bihi. مَعَ أَنَّ الْأَلْفَاظَ الَّتِي كَانُوا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ بِهَا أَلْفَاظٌ وَرَدَتْ بِهَا Rather what he rebuked them for was the fact that they had separated away from the sunnah. Using these stones and counting on these stones was not from the sunnah of the Prophet So he rebuked them upon that. Their method and how they were doing it. Not the actual fact that they were doing dhikr and remembering Allah. But how they were doing it was in opposition to the sunnah. He rebuked that. As for the actual words, they were saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Absolutely, we've done that. Remembrance of Allah, La ilaha illallah, subhanallah. From the best of the remembrance. He didn't rebuke them for that, that's good. But how they were doing it, that's what was rebuked. And there are examples of this. There's that example from a Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala, on one occasion he saw a man praying uh, in the morning before the fajr prayer. When you go to the mosque for fajr prayer, you get there maybe half an hour early let's say for example when you get in you can pray to, al masjid and then you could also pray two sunnah that go with fajr and then what are you supposed to do after that for the rest of the 25 minutes waiting for the prayer what are you not supposed to do pray anymore there is no other prayer You can't just say, well, 25 minutes to go before Fajr. Let me just pray some more. Let me just do two more nafal, two more nafal, two more nafal. Other times, that's a sunnah. Like Jumu'ah, for example, you're waiting for the Imam, you can do it. But after Fajr, or uh, in the Fajr time, waiting for the Fajr prayer, there are the two sunnah of Fajr, and then no other prayer. So it's mentioned one time a man was praying. Nafal, 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 before the Fajr prayer. So Sheikh albani rebuked him, and the man said, "You're rebuking me for praying? How can you be rebuking me for praying? What's wrong with you? I'm praying. You're telling me praying is wrong?" Sheikh albani said to him, "No, praying is good. Praying is worship. Nothing wrong with praying." But how you are praying right now, that's what's wrong. The bid'ah is what you are doing, how you are doing it. Not the actual action that you're doing. The action, praying, of course, nobody's rebuking you for that. But what you are doing now, the method, that's being rebuked. That's what I'm rebuking you on. Because there is no sunnah for you to be doing this now. You are opposing the sunnah by praying right now at this time. So I'm not rebuking you for praying, I'm rebuking you for your method behind it. And that's exactly this. Ibn Mas'ud was not rebuking them for doing the remembrance of Allah. Do the remembrance of Allah. He was rebuking them for the method that they were employing, which was in opposition to the sunnah. And it's important to know those kinds of things. Because when it comes to the issues of Al-Amr Bil-Ma'roof, Al-Nahyya munkar and advising and nasiha. These are the types of things that a person may have shortcomings in. You see a person committing some type of action that is in opposition to the sunnah. And a person may go in heavy-handed on that individual, bid'ah, this, that, the other. To the extent that the person stops doing that action, but stops doing it altogether because he thinks the whole thing was Wrong. When in reality, it wasn't the whole thing that he was doing that was wrong. It was only the method of what, we, what he was doing. And you may go and rebuke that person and he thinks, Khalas, this whole action that he was doing, it's wrong. It's bid'ah khalas. Okay, I've understood, I'm not going to do it now. So he's ended up leaving the whole action when actually you were trying to rebuke him for the method. But because people don't have understanding of how to do الأمر بالمعروف al munkar and the advising and the nasiha. And that's why the scholars, they say, think carefully when you advise someone about these kinds of issues, when someone's doing something in opposition to the sunnah, think carefully how you advise that person. One of the things they mention is, if it's this type of scenario, where somebody is doing something, that the actual worship they are doing is legitimate, but it's how they are doing it, and the method which is making it a bid'ah, then be very careful how you advise them tell them about the bid'ah, and the incorrect method of what they are doing, but because the actual action is okay, tell them then, in your enjoining of the good and forbidding the evil, how to do that action in accordance to the sunnah. But if you see somebody now, and you go rebuke them, and don't actually tell them what the alternative is, how you're supposed to be doing it, like that man now for example, if he was just rebuked, don't pray. You shouldn't be praying. Don't pray. So halas, he stops praying nafal. Anytime he just stops praying. He thinks, okay, that's it. I'm going to come to the mosque. Fard pray behind the imam. I'm not going to pray anything else. These guys, they tell me, don't pray nafal, don't pray nafal. That's a mushkila. Now you, you think you've enjoyed the good and forbidden the evil, and you've left him upon a state which is incorrect. Rather in that situation, you need to rebuke him for the method of what he's doing and clarify to him. This time is not a time for the nafl prayer. But other times you can pray them. But this time is wrong for you to be praying it in. So whenever you rebuke someone, they say, you explain to them the correct alternative. Because if you rebuke upon people and never give them the correct alternative from the sunnah, then you're leaving those people upon ignorance. You're telling them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But you're not telling them what they are supposed to be doing instead. And that's a problem. Because when you enjoy the good and forbid, the evil, and all you're doing is, don't do this, don't, this is bid'ah, this is bid'ah, this, this is wrong, this is wrong, don't do this, don't do that. And you're not telling the person what they are actually supposed to do, how they are actually supposed to do it. Then you're leaving that person in a state which is not the state that is desirable upon advising him. You've left him not doing something and maybe even leaving something that he should be doing in a proper way upon the sunnah, but you haven't told him. That's why they say, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil isn't a simple thing. It requires prior to it, knowledge like everything else. You need to know how to enjoin the good and forbid the evil. You see somebody doing something wrong, you need to know how to rebuke the wrong in that and then explain to them how to do it upon the sunnah. If you can't do all of that, then it's a bit of a problem. That a person doesn't really understand how to enjoy the good and forbid the evil. And that's why you get people saying to you, then you salafis, all you do is, you tell us, this is bid'ah, this is bid'ah, that's bid'ah. But then if you tell them, okay, this is bid'ah, but what you're supposed to do in the hadith, is says X, Y, and Z. Now they cannot say that. Now the person cannot say, all they keep telling us is bid'ah. We tell you it's bid'ah. But then we tell you the opposite, what you're supposed to be doing, this is the sunnah. And that's bid'ah, but do it this way, that's the sunnah. That's what you should be aiming for in the common folk when you're advising them and joining the good and forbidding the evil. Give them the alternative from the sunnah. So they leave the bid'ah and then do it upon the way of the sunnah. But if you only rebuke and don't give them the alternative, then they have nowhere else to go. You've rebuked them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that but you've not told them what they are supposed to do and what the sunnah is. So here Abdullah bin Mas'ud highlighted that many people, they desire good, but they don't achieve it. Because even though they may have that good intention, they are not following the sunnah in how they are doing. So iqtisadun في sunnah, khayrun min ijtihadin في bid'a. Fabnu Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu, lam yunkir alihim dhikrahum lillahi wa ashtiqalahum لذلك. He didn't rebuke them for doing the dhikr of Allah. إِنَّمَا أَنْكَرَ عَلَيْهِ مُفَارَقَتَهُمْ sunnah Rather he rebuked them for departing from the sunnah in the method that they were using. فَكَيْفَ الْحَالِ بِمَنْ تَرَكَ السُنَّةِ فِي ذَلِكَ جُمْلَةً وَتَفْصِيلًا فِي الْأَلْفَاضِ وَصِفَةِ وَصِفَةِ الْأَدَاءِ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكِ So now the sheikh says, These people, the actual words they were using and what they were doing was, okay, but the method was wrong. Sheikh says, what about people whose method is wrong, and then on top of that, the words and everything else they are using is also wrong. That's the level of bid'ah some people have reached. It's not even about just the method being wrong. Some people, the whole thing is actually wrong. نعم فكالأوراد التي يقرأها بعض الناس مما كتبه بعض أشياخ الطرق الصوفية بصيغ مختلفة وأساليب متنوعة مما هو متضمن لأنواع من الباطل وصنوف من الظلال كالتوسلات الشركية والألفاظ البدعية والأذكار المحدثة ويرتب هؤلاء لأورادهم وظائف محددة وصفات معينة وَهَذَا كُلُّهُ لَا رَيْبَ مِنْ الْإِحْدَاثِ فِي الدِّينِ وَمِنَ سَيِّدِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَالْمُرْسَلِينَ So now the sheikh says, you see some of the people, the level of misguidance they fall into is that their imams, their sheikhs, they will write for them certain things on pieces of paper, the sufis and their likes. And they'll tell them, you have to read these particular du'as at this particular time, at this particular uh, situation or moment, and these particular words, this many particular times. And they give them all these types of papers, and they go and read all these types of words, and these words are not from the sunnah. Within those words, there is shirk. Within those words, there is misguidance. So now it's even worse, the shaykh says, the affair of some of the people, when it comes to these matters of du'a. وَالِسْتِعَاذَةُ عَنْهُ بِمَا أَحْدَثَهُ الضَّلَالُ الْبَاطِلُ وَهُوَ تَشْرِيعٌ فِي الدِّينِ بِمَا لَمْ يَأْذَنْ بِهِ اللَّهِ So when they do this and they write up all these new du'as that have no basis in the sunnah, it's as though they are legislating uh, a sunnah into the sunnah which is not from the sunnah. They are legislating this action as a sunnah for their people. And it is not a sunnah these words they've written down are impermissible in the first place. And the whole du'a they are giving them is incorrect qala al-qadi ayyad Rahimahullah allah adana allah fi du'ahi wa 'allama ad-du'a fi kitabih li khaliqatihi wa 'allama an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam ad-du'a li ummatihi wa ijtam'at fihi thalathat ashiya العلم بالتوحيد والعلم باللغة والنصيحة للأمة فلا ينبغي لأحد أن يعدل عن دعائه صلى الله عليه وسلم وقد احتال الشيطان للناس من هذا المقام فقيض لهم قوم سوء يخترعون لهم أدعية يشتغلون بها عن الاقتداء بالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Al Qadi Iyad, Rahimahullah, he said, Allah has permitted us to make dua to him. That is clear. And he has taught us how to do the dua in the Quran. Allah has taught us about dua and the words we can use for dua. There are dua's in the Quran. atina fid dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan.' are dua's. Allah has taught us. And the Messenger taught the Ummah how to do dua. And in all of these du'as that Allah taught us and the Messenger taught us, there are three things that can be found in all of these du'as. Al-ilmu bi-tawheed. That there is within it a notification, a knowledge base in regards to tawheed, a clarification of tawheed in those du'as. That you learn about the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The words indicate the tawheed of Allah. وَالْعِلْمُ باللغة. And within it is the Arabic language and the precision in the language. وَالنَّصِيحَةُ لِلْأُمَّةِ And also it is an advice for the ummah. In those words and what you learn from them in the du'as. We've been going through some of them. فَلَا يَنْبَغِي لِأَحَدٍ أَنْ يَعَدِلَ عن دعائه Therefore, it is not suitable for anybody to go away from the du'as that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. And the shaitan has used this avenue upon the people. And so, there are individuals that the shaitan has whispered to, and they've been brought about that they innovate du'as and they make up these new supplications, and then the people busy themselves with them instead of following the prophet sallallahu and the du'as that are authentically narrated from the prophet sallallahu alaihi al-imam al-qurtubi said in his tafsir al-jami' li ahkam al-quran fa 'ala al-insan an yast'amil ma fi kitab allah wa sahih al min ad-du'a wa yad' ma siwa وَلَا يَقُولُ أَخْتَارُوا كَذَا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ اِخْتَارَ لِلَبِيِّهِ وَأَوْلِيَئِهِ (laughs) وَعَلَّمَهُمْ كَيْفَ يَدْعُونَ Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi said, It is upon a person to use what has come in the book of Allah and the authentic sunnah from the various du'as. وَيَدَعُوا مَا سِوَاهُ And to leave other than that. Other than the authentic du'as of the Qur'an and the sunnah. And he should not say, but I am going to choose such and such instead. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for his messenger and the the awliya and taught them how to do du'a. So who are you? You're going to say, no, I'm going to do du'a this way, I'm going to do it that way and I'm going to read these words and those words. What is in the Quran and the sunnah, then that is clear and you should stick to that. If it's a personal du'a, that's different. We're talking about the established sunnah du'as. A personal du'a you want to make for something for yourself, something in your life, you can make that, of course. But these are the fixed, established du'a's of the Sunnah, and their wordings we're talking about. فَالْوَاجِب عَلَى مَن أَرَادَ لِنَفْسِهِ الْفَضِيلَةَ وَالسَّلَامَةَ أَن يَلْزَمَ هَدْيَ النَّبِيِّ الْكَرِيمِ صَلَّى الله عليه وسلم So, whomsoever wants virtue for himself, and safety for himself, and elevation for himself, then he should stick to the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ, and stick to his sunnah. إلا and he needs to abandon what the innovators have brought about, and the falsifiers have invented and brought about and constructed, from the affairs that have no basis to them and no foundation to them, other than following the desires. So that is the end of that section where the Shaykh highlights the importance of clinging to the Sunnah when making your dua with the words that you select and not to make up new words and then fix them and say do it at this time and that time and this many times or that many times. Do not fall into bid'ah in how you make a dua. Rather, find the authentic narrations the authentic du'a from the sunnah and stick to those wordings any questions up to there so far (laughs) there are some shortcomings the scholars have mentioned for both here there are some shortcomings and some small faults but as the scholars have mentioned with the likes of these imams It is known from them, it is known from them, and this is the difference. It is known from them, their defense and support of the sunnah. The likes of these scholars, al-Imam al-Nawabi, and others, Ibn Hajar, Ibn Hajar Fath al-Bari. If that isn't a support and defense of the sunnah, what is? They are known for their support and defense and elevation for the sunnah. Known for it. And that was their clear objective and goal and target. And they ended up falling into some shortcomings, some shortcomings in certain affairs, but their overall objective and goal and intention, it was clear to see from what is apparent, it was absolute in defense of the sunnah and in support and elevation of the sunnah. That's different to some mubtadi' and people come along and they say, well, you know, these people had some issues in Aqidah and you still use their works. So my Imam from such and such as they will say, my Sheikh from such and such, who's an outright mubtadi' in what he calls to, then, uh, then why, what's your problem with him? These people had bid'ah or they had some issues in them. We say, your Imam is not comparable whatsoever to these Imams. This Sheikh of yours now, what is his defense of the Sunnah and support of the Sunnah and striving to elevate the Sunnah? What has he done for that? Instead, everything he calls to is in opposition to the Sunnah, in abandoning the Ahadith. And that's what the people of Bid'ah are upon. Whereas that is not evidenced from Ibn Hajar and Nawawi and others. What is evidenced from them is clear, outright support and defense of the Sunnah and to elevate the Sunnah. The, the Ahlul Bid'ah, Mubtadi'ah, you don't see that from them. Everything they do is call to opposition to the Sunnah, call to opposition to the aqidah, call to opposition to the way of the Salaf. So they are not going to be comparable to the likes of these Imams, and that's why the scholars they accept from them. And the shortcomings, of course, we don't follow. You don't follow the shortcomings. Ibn Shaykh Bin Baz, for example, in Fath al Bari, he highlighted where all the certain parts are, where Ibn Hajar may have made some small errors in certain areas. Highlighted those parts, but the rest of it, all of it is a defense of the Sunnah explanation of the Sunnah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is yes. in as well. so it is known that there are uh, with some of the scholars of the past there may have been certain areas uh, with the names and attributes and the scholars they say that is because of the bi'a But they were raised in certain environments some of the scholars where all of the the mashayikh of that time in that area the scholars the ulama they were upon a particular tariqah so they they give this like, kind of excuse to them that they were raised in that environment, that's where they were, they were the teachings of the people at that time. And the scholars mention this about Al Imam and and others that this is perhaps the reason why they were maybe influenced in certain issues here and there occasionally, and they maybe slipped up on certain issues here and there. Um, you know with regards to those groups that the Sahaba found counting with pebbles? Um, I have a narration that I think that ends up being the Khawarij or the Qadariyah Yeah, it's mentioned about how they deviated then uh, <laughs> The narrator, he said he saw the Maqsifin against Ali Rilal I believe the Khawarij, the khawarij. The khawarij. Yeah mm. Ustad, uh, as uh, Muslims are always supposed to uh, hate uh, this dunya because uh, I have heard uh, some shuluk say that uh, this dunya is malouna and if it is so, then how can we uh, do enough in, in the manner of sunnah and to the love of this dunya in our hearts? Yeah, the dunya, it is in the narration, ma fiha That it is cursed and everything within it is cursed. But that's just like all the other narrations, that you do not make this dunya your uh, abode. You do not make this dunya your place of living, your home. كُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غريب. أَوَعَابِرُوا سَبِيلُ Be in this world as though you are a stranger or passing through it. This is not the objective, this is not the goal. This is only a, a temporary place you are passing through. And so you do not make your connection and your heart connected to this world. You know you're here temporarily to worship Allah as a test and then you will pass on to the actual abode where you will be connected to and remain in. So as long as a person remembers that, remembers it is temporary, Remembers, this is not the final abode; it is only the test. Then you do not become attached with your heart to the worldly affairs. You no, know, I um, the prayer the times for prayer. <coughs> like at such time, for example, I read in one of the books of Fiqh that even toḥīd al-masjid shouldn't be done at that time. Yeah. Um So what's correct? Can like, yeah. you pray al al-masjid in the, the time? al al-masjid uh, with that one, it is about the issue of. Whether you are allowed to pray at the awqat nahi, there are five times or three times, depending on how you categorize it, during the day where it is impermissible to pray. What are those three times? Sunrise, sunset, so after the time of when the fajr time enters up until. Sun, sunrise, all of that time, it's impermissible to pray other than the Sunnah and the Fajr prayer. Then the middle of the day and then after Asr up until sunset. Those are forbidden times to pray. You're not supposed to pray any other prayers apart from the obligatory prayers of that time. So then the question is, for example, if you go to the mosque at Maghrib time. 20 minutes before maghrib, 10 minutes before maghrib, you walk into the mosque. That is a forbidden time of prayer. Are you allowed to pray Tahiyyat al-Masjid? Or in Fajr like we were talking about now, are you allowed to pray Tahiyyat al-Masjid? It's a difference of opinion between the scholars. Some of them say it is not allowed to pray any other prayers other than the legislated prayers of that time only. So for Fajr it's just the two sunnah of Fajr and Fajr. Not even Tahiyyat al-Masjid. But it wouldn't matter really If you were praying your two sunnah At the mosque Then they count for your tahitul masjid anyway If you did that If you went to the mosque And you're gonna pray your two sunnah of fajr in the mosque And then the prayer Those two sunnah you make your intention for the two sunnah of fajr And that's your tahitul masjid anyway Tahitul masjid goes into any prayer that you pray But if you want to implement the sunnah further So you pray the two sunnah at home Then you go to the mosque. Now this difference of opinion arises. What are you going to do? 20 minutes left yet before the iqamah. Some scholars, they say, you can't pray. Forbidden time, it is not permissible to pray any other prayer. Some scholars have that opinion. So they say, khalas, you got to stand. Or they'll say, khalas, just sit down. You cannot pray. Same with maghrib. You go in before 20 minutes, 10 minutes. In that prohibited time, you say, you cannot pray. But there are other scholars... And I think the Shafi'is are from them. They say, if it is asbab, Prayers that have a specific reason to them. Not general prayers, not general نفل. Prayers that have a specific cause behind them. That you can pray them in prohibited times. So they say the prohibition of the prohibited times is just generally praying. You're not allowed to generally pray nafil, etc but if there was a prayer with a specific reason you could so tahiyatul al-masjid is a prayer with a specific reason if one of you enters the mosque then do not sit until you pray two rak'at. you now have a specific reason to pray that prayer or you're in the mosque at fajr time your wudu breaks so you go make wudu, come back now you're allowed to pray two raka'at for your wudu. it's a specific cause for it so some of the scholars say, if you have a specific cause for a prayer, you're allowed to pray in the prohibited times. Others though, the, there's a, an opinion that exists, a, a good, strong opinion as well. They say, no, thewa'tul asbab or not zawatul asbab. They are prohibited times and the prohibition takes priority over the commands in usul al-fiqh. They say the prohibition takes priority even if it says about the ta'ayyut masjid and other things, the prohibition takes the priority. So there is an opinion that you're not allowed to pray anything in those times other than the legislated, but the other opinion says if there is a prayer with a cause behind it, you can pray those in the uh, prohibited times. I think that hadith say Ibn Hazm said Muhalla Prophet said, "Do not stop the people from praying in the al Haram at any time." I think
1: it's general though. They'll say
0: it's general. That's a general narration. And uh, uh, it doesn't specify anything. Maqam Ibrahim, if you do your tawaf, wait. You can wait until after the prohibited time, then carry on and do your uh, two rakat. So they'll still say, the ones who say you can't, that this isn't strong enough to indicate you have to be able to pray at any time. So if you were the opinion of the prohibition over the command, then we, we can sit down let's sit two minutes before Maghrib. we come and sit. Yeah, some scholars, they say you can sit. Uh, they say you can sit. The ones who say it is impermissible to pray, there are some of them who have given the fatwa, you can just sit down there. Uh, Others may say stand, but I have heard that some of them say you can just sit. If you take that opinion. Can you, can you include both, both methods? No, no, this is one of those situations where it's one or the other. It's either do or don't. It's not one of those where it's this is sunnah, that's sunnah. This is a difference of opinion. You've got to look into it, and then you take... So the good day I do next day, I don't do it? I do not. No, 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 no. This is the point here is, in those prohibited times, you take one opinion or the other. Either you decide it's allowed to pray prayers with causes, so you do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Or you decide, no, the opinion about not doing it at all is better, so then you don't do it at all. Mm. Okay. Yeah, can you uh, just do the wudu? you are uh, unable to do the hudu, uh, because uh, the place where you are, you, have, uh, you can do the and uh, when you're going to reach home, it be, uh, the, the, the time for the prayer be The time for the prayer is the highest condition from the conditions of the prayer. So, if a person was in a situation where they are upon Janaba and they need to do the ghusl, and they cannot, let's imagine, they cannot do the ghusl. Uh, they cannot get to water or some location before the prayer time exits. They could get there, but after the prayer time exits. They're not going to make it before the prayer time exits. So it is upon them they have to pray. And as for the ghusl then, they'll have to do some alternative if they're in a situation where absolutely they cannot do it. And the alternative even with ghusl you can do. Okay. Tell me, It's possible you can do tayammum as well. But, uh, you know, uh, that's in that situation where you have no way. But uh, these days, you know, people saying that they have no way with the types of, you know, the, the world we live in now. There are facilities and there are methods and there are ways that a person has to maybe be a bit more flexible with and think about. It's not just, you know, I can't get to my shower at home. There are lots of different ways that perhaps a person could organize himself. And it's a rare kind of situation. When I hear about these uh, uh, questions, uh, you think to yourself, how does a person even get himself into a situation where he's a panjanaba and uh, 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 he's away uh, in a place where he can't make ghusl? It's a, it's a rare kind of situation anyway. But if it happens, these days the scholars, they say, look, you have to think about all of the scenarios. It's like with tayammum Imagine your water supply cuts off at your house. It's not permissible for you to make tayyamu. You can't say the water's gone. No, nothing in the tap. It's cut off. It's on the news. This whole street has cut off today. You can't make tayyamu. Haram. Because all you have to do is go to the end of your street to the grocery shop. And you can buy a bottle of water. And then go home and make wudu. Go to the mosque. Anywhere. Go to your next street on the neighbors who still got water. So you have to think out of the box. You can't just say, I couldn't make ghusl, I've got to make a, 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 a temmum now. You're saying, you know, in a situation you could make wudu. If you could make wudu in that situation, you might have to think about the scenario. If you can't make wudu, then I assume you're saying that there's some bathroom there, some toilet area. You may have to go into the cubicle with some bottles, Allah, <laughs> and uh, do what you have to do. The Prophet used to make ghusl with this much, like we said the other day. This much you need to make ghusl with. You just put it on your hand, everywhere, on your hand, everywhere, on your hand, on your hand. Your whole body, just get the water on all of your body, it's ghusl. You could do that in the cubicle of the toilet if you got yourself into a situation. (laughs) So you have to think about the scenario. You can't just say, khalas, there's no shower here, I can't do ghusl. You have to think about everything and make sure that the possibility is definitely out. If the possibility is absolutely out, then you start looking at these rulings make Tehemum do this, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your body? Ghusl doesn't mean that you have to open the water, 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 water coming. That's not ghusl necessarily. Ghusl, you can do it. The Prophet used to make ghusl with this much water 500, 600, 700 mil. So all you're going to do is pour it, and then you get it everywhere, pour it, get it everywhere. So your whole body, you got the water on your whole body. That's ghusl, to get the water on your whole body. So you just get it, and you get it all over your body, that would be ghusl. As long as the water goes everywhere, all over your body, you get it all over, every part, all your skin, that's ghusl. There's two types of ghusl as well, isn't it? yeah, the, the one is the ghusl and the sunnah. We do all the all the, the method of it. But this would be the basic ghusl. The basic ghusl is just to get water on every part of your body. That's the basic ghusl which then permits you to do your worship. Gustav, hmm. uh, is it permissible for a woman to preach Islam on social media uh, without her face covered or with her face covered and answer questions from ladies as well as men? As well as men, there's no question about it. Of course, it is impermissible. Why does a woman need to be giving da'wah to the men? That is out of the question from the very beginning. There's nothing even to ask about. No woman should be going onto social media or outside or anywhere giving da'wah to men. The only question that arises is what about women giving da'wah to women? It's permissible, possible for a woman who is educated, has some knowledge, sits with other sisters and teaches them. But not open public social media. If a woman wants to teach the khalas, she can do it with her sisters in some closed group, in some closed Zoom, private password or something, whatever you're going to do. And some sister has some knowledge, she's teaching some Arabic, some Quran, whatever. You can do that with the other sisters. But public lessons, sister such and such is going to do this, and then uh, men are going to join into that group and that kind of thing. No. If a woman has to do something, she can do it for the women, but not publicly for the men. There's no reason for the men to be listening to the woman. Like a thousand things to count. So how how do you respond? A thousand to that? things to count? Yeah, that's what she said. Like, like a heads. I mean. too <laughs> like too many things. Yeah. No. She meant like like a lot of uh, a zikr basically. The only exception I've heard, I think it's a Sheikh Al Fawzan mentioned. He said if somebody genuinely had, you know, problems, that they can't remember. They genuinely, you know, they've got some problem, maybe mostly old in age. And with the olden age, you know, they start and they get to like 20, 25, and every time they just can't remember what's going on. Where they were, what their numbers were, how many have they done. If somebody's in that state, then the Sheikh said, okay, they could use something to help them with the numbers. If they're in a state where they can't remember on their fingers now, they get to 1, 2, 3, 4, they get to 9, 12, and they all get confused every time. They can't do it. Then the sheikh said, okay, they could use something which has 99 on it or 3333 or, 33 or something to help them to remember what they're doing. But that's only for somebody who can't do it. Not for somebody who says, yeah, but you know, I just can't remember. Of course you can remember. Focus. Think carefully. It's because people, when they use that, they don't need to focus. Talking to people, you see them. They have the hand. They're flicking it in the... alaikum. how are you doing? How's everything? And it's still flicking here. I think, mashallah, how's one part of your brain still counting that and doing the tasbih? And how are you even doing the tasbih? when you're talking to me, asking me, how are you? How are you saying subhanallah here and saying, how are you here? And you're doing it here, here. So people, they want to use those things. There's no focus. There's no concentration. So it's not permissible. It's only, Sheikh Fauzan, I think he said, for somebody who can't, genuinely can't do it. They're unable. They're old in age. They can't do it with their fingers. They can't remember. Okay, give them something to help them. But everybody else, it's not permissible. Alright, we'll leave it on that for today then. Inshallah ta'ala. We'll resume next week at 8.30 p.m.